Hey there, Paula Poundstone here. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out my new show, Live from the Poundstone Institute. I mean, you could try listening to this show and my show at the same time, but that might drive you insane. Find Live from the Poundstone Institute on Apple Podcasts or the NPR One app. Hey, pals, before we start, we would love it if you could take a minute and review the show. Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and let us know what you think. It really does help other very attractive listeners, such as yourself, find the show. Here's a recent five-star review from the AE. Quote, it's super great. End quote. No, you're super great, friend. Thanks for the review. Now, let's start the show. A couple of years ago, Maggie Takuda Hall had a revelation. You know, I'd been with the same company for a really long time at that point, and it just wasn't going the way that I wanted. And I realized I'd spent all of my 20s working super duper hard and not going anywhere or doing anything. So she proposed a trip to her husband, Adam Wolf. I was like, would you want to just like leave with me? That wasn't the way I said it. I was a little drunk. And then the next morning, as you do after like making drunk promises of like, yeah, we'll totally do that. Adam was like, are we really going to do that? And I was like, yes. So on July 1st, 2016, after more than a year of planning, the newlywed couple set off on an epic journey. The pair intended to travel overland from their home in San Francisco to Patagonia, Chile in a souped up Toyota 4Runner named Shadow. The adventure would be a test on many fronts. So our joke is that we're just like kicking the tires on the whole marriage (laughs) thing, like really just making sure this was the good choice and stress testing it right off the top. The pair decided to chronicle their journey in a podcast called Let's Not Panic, which is apt because there were a lot of moments that induced panic on their trip. You were like, I think this llama is coming at me. (laughs) (laughs) And so I get in between and I kind of look at it and just stand there and it just keeps walking towards me and i'm like what is happening right now i <laughs> so at first like it gets about five feet away i'm like all right i'm a little weirded out and i back off and i like go to the car and then i was like i'm not well gonna... it came faster once yeah. you backed off too it was yeah. like, oh really yeah. really you can just give me some space watch me do this yeah I'm Lauren Ober and from WAMU and NPR. This is The Big Listen, the broadcast about podcasts. Each week on The Big Listen, we introduce you to podcasts you might not have ever heard of. And we give you the inside scoop on shows you already love. And this week, we're taking a little adventure with folks who do a lot of traveling and exploring. Basically, we're just trying to climb into their suitcases and hitch a ride for a bit. For Adam Wolf and Maggie Takuda Hall, fighting off a crazed llama in Bolivia was just one of the many adventures of their year-long trip. They've also dealt with freak snowstorms and gross illnesses and crashing into a swamp in Argentina. No bigs. God, I'm still just like mind blown that our most dramatic moment happened at 15 miles an hour. But the end result was that we were completely 90 degrees turn a little more than 90 degrees yeah. actually um, pointing the other way up basically teetering on the edge of a hill that led into what could have been a lake or a swamp or a bog i'd say a swamp we don't know you will be pleased to learn that the couple extricated their vehicle from that argentine swamp and everyone is okay but it's just one of the many challenges the pair have managed to brave on their trip and live to podcast about We're going to hear more from Wolf and Takuda Hall in a bit, but now we're going to shift gears a bit and talk to a different kind of traveler. Amina Tussauds has been traveling for just about her whole life. As the daughter of Guinean diplomats, she pretty much traversed the globe as a kid. 
Hello, ladies. Welcome to the podcast from On She Goes, a travel site for all women of color. You might know me from another small podcast, Call Your Girlfriend. I'm so excited to be hosting On She Goes. It combines some of my very favorite things, namely talking to ladies and going places. I grew up on three continents, so you better believe I have a ton of experience under my belt. Traveling has always been an integral part of So's life. All kinds of travel, from business to touring to straight-up vacationing, which she is really good at. And that's why it makes total sense for her to host On She Goes, a travel podcast for women of color. I mean, not too so here in the studio with us. Welcome to The Big Listen. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> sounded so formal. It does sound really formal. I, know. I like it when you get really serious. Yeah, I'm so serious. So... Can I call you Amina? <sighs> I guess we're that kind of friends. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Tell me what On She Goes is, which is not Call Your Girlfriend, which is what podcast listeners know you from. But now you have this new gig. Yeah. I got this really fun opportunity last summer to host this um, podcast called On She Goes that is um, basically a podcast uh, for women of color who travel. And it's like something that's kind of really important to me I'm on the go a lot but I had just like also noticed that recently with I don't know the rise of Instagram and technology um, there was a community that was building around it it's all about like empowering and inspiring women to travel more confidently more adventurously and more often so you said that you've seen with tech with social media more people sharing their experiences and like building a community around that. Was that like you guys wanted to tap into that or speak to that demographic or are there just more women of color traveling period? Yeah. You know, I think it was a little mix of both. Like I remember, um, growing up and my family like often being the only black family in uh, business class or the business lounge or, um, even just generally this idea of like, um, like traveling for fun a lot. And I think that that, and for me, that's like very specific to my own background. Like my parents are diplomats, we're also from Africa. And so there's more of a, like a culture around that, right? Like we go, we go far. And, uh, <laughs> and, and in business class. Exactly. Listen, when somebody else is paying for your travel, you get to travel well, please. Um, don't, uh, yeah, no, the So family, we did not pay for our travel. I basically sit near the toilet, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that's crazy. The first time I had to buy my own plane ticket when I was in college and I was <laughs> in coach, I was like, excuse me what <laughs> like they don't give you a pile of movies here and all the food you want this is wild they, they don't call me miss so I back know. here they let you know i was like I, like i'm a person in the world Where the, where's and my, my real flatware yeah, and my dad was like use your real money now um i had no money <laughs> so <laughs> as i started learning more uh, I, you know like i started learning more like african-american history specifically and uh realizing like all of the ways that segregation had kept people about and jim crow had kept people about and i read about the green motorist book mm -hmm. um that was basically this advice book that um african-americans would like share with each other and tell each other like you know like what were the rest stops that you could use and right. the roads that you could use you know the um jim crow policies had like huge repercussions on even like leisure yeah. right and then fast forward to today, I think that there's so many communities, like specifically on Instagram, of just um, people of color who travel. And there's nothing there's nothing uh, revolutionary about them, except that for me, like I was like for a long time, whenever I would see like the all of your cliched like travel uh, photos, like 
here's me at the Eiffel Tower. Here's me at Angkor Wat. Here's me <laughs> in an Icelandic fjord. Like all I of, see you've been going through my Instagram. You know, like the, you know, like the the iconic sure, Instagram sure. imagery. Seeing just like predominantly black people in those spaces, like it shocked me that I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, oh, right, like this is. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you feel when you were traveling, did you ever think like, oh, our family is is the only family that looks like us and in this particular place or this particular place? All of the time, especially place. because yeah. of the ways that we were treated, yeah. you know, where it's like we would sit down at the front of the plane and be like, are you sure you're supposed to be here? And it's like, oh. yes, absolutely. And then I travel a lot for work and even just like noticing how few women generally there are in like business lounges and things like that I I always count I'm like that person where I'm on the plane I'm like there were two women up here there was one person of color all men um and I just yeah and for me I I always wanted to know why I was like this seems this seems very strange but just like there's nothing like kind of like white about traveling like it like it's not right but um when like you don't have representation all, mm-hmm. like a lot of these things take like larger meanings and so i think that with the podcast specifically we didn't make a podcast for people of color who travel it was just here is what here what the joys and the challenges of like women of color who travel specifically right. like you know like we need a lot of products for our hair and tsa is like not cool with that <laughs> we <laughs> you know right. but also but also thinking about like uh, you know all the things that like women in general like think about when they travel like harassment and health mm-hmm. and whatever and how like through the lens of race those things can be different right. for different kinds of people. Right. Your three H's: exactly. hair, health, and harassment. I'm so glad you remember that. You met the fabulous Melissa Valle in our first episode. She's now enhancing our travels with the three H's. Each and every episode, she'll give us tips on how to handle either hair, health, or harassment while abroad. Here is Melissa. Let's talk about hair. In some countries like Brazil, it costs a lot of money to heat the water, which means spending a ton of time in the shower going through your regular natural hair conditioning regimen is not feasible. Be aware that cold washing may become a part of your routine. If there happens to be a water shortage, you might not even be able to do that. Have a hair backup plan, like a head wrap or a spray bottle that you keep filled to make sure that you, you know, you stay looking flawless on your trip. Obviously, you know, you cannot answer the question of what it is like to travel as a woman of color in general. But your own experience as an adult traveling, have you had any hiccups that you could attribute to being a woman or being a person of color or being both? I mean... I would say that probably like the most dangerous place I am is in America all the time <laughs> as a person of color. That's okay. that's true. Fair, um, fair. That's true for me and my own travel patterns. Right. And part of doing the show was really to make people feel like this is this is not that hard. There's a way that you can do it um, like cheaply. There is mm-hmm. a way that you uh, you can do it and feel a sense of community and also just go go somewhere, go anywhere, yeah. and. Uh, don't let anything hold you back because all of those things that you're afraid of are like, even if you don't go anywhere, like you're probably going to have to deal with anyway. (laughs) Right. Exactly. One thing I like about your show uh, is that you, you focus on different types of travel. So travel for work, travel for pleasure, people Mm -hmm. who are traveling because of geopolitical issues Mm -hmm. that they have to, it's not travel. It's like, I got to get out of here. Refugee tourism. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
you have to leave. Something like that, right? Bye. Um, But why did you want to focus on, you know, all the types of travel, not just, you know, traveling for fun and taking some nice pictures? Because one, like those are part of, you know, we wanted to showcase like a range of experience. I think definitely like everything from like the work side to escapism to like displacement. And, um, you know, it's like mechanically all of those things happen the same, but they're all like very different experiences. My name is Nadia Abelhassan. I'm a fashion blogger, a designer and a model. Despite her fear of flying, Nadia travels constantly for work. We get into that later, but first, I wanted to know more about her experience visiting Syrian refugees in Lebanon and what inspired her to go. I mean, I've I've always wanted to go as a kid because my father's Lebanese. I went over there myself to try to get an idea and and just met a, a bunch of different refugees, families, women, children, saw different schools. So, I mean, when I went there, the aid people you go with, they tell you, you know, You can't get emotional because they already know they have a bad situation right now, but they're going to feel even worse. So it's like you kind of have to put on the strong face for them to kind of give them hope to think positive into thinking things are going to change for the better. So I just remember getting back to the hotel room and like as soon as I opened up my door to my hotel room and shut it, I just started bawling my eyes out. One of the things that I hate so much is how we make we make women afraid like really early on about like leaving the house in general. It's like you can't go. Everything is like a law and order SVU noise like everywhere you turn. And and that's the thing that's so ingrained in us like so, 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 so early on. And so it's really important to me for to to tell stories of women who go far, mm-hmm. who go far, but also the reality is that like all not all travel is for pleasure or for work. Like right. sometimes, you know, like life happens and right. people are displaced, or you know, or your family moves or whatever, and those are all experiences that are worth talking about. Amina Tussauds is the host of On She Goes from Wyden and Kennedy and Pineapple Street Media. To find out more about the show, check out BigListen.org. Remember our pals Maggie Takuda-Hall and Adam Wolf from way back at the beginning of the show? Well, they're the married couple who decided to travel from San Francisco to Patagonia and back and then podcast their journey. Now, my first thought when I heard about their adventure was, I'm surprised they're not divorced by now. They've been traveling together for more than a year, basically living out of a custom-outfitted Toyota 4Runner. And to me, that's just a recipe for a breakup. But what do I know? How many times have you almost gotten divorced? (laughs) (laughs) We have not come anywhere close to getting divorced, I'm proud to say. Although I threaten it a lot. I feel like when he tries to take away any, like treat like a chocolate that's mine like he tries to take extra bites i'm like we're divorced now (laughs) so their marriage is still intact and i'd say that's pretty impressive but part of the reason the couple has kept it together is because when you're on the road for months and months you really don't have a choice but to get along when maggie and i have conflict it's there's no option to say let's work this out later it's like okay we can work this out in 10 minutes do you want to take a 10 minute break because we have to continue driving today and we're we're stuck together we live in a car together. Like, there is nowhere to go when you're mad. So they can't escape one another, even if they wanted to. So we can't hold on to being angry at all. Like, that's just not a sustainable system. So far, the pair has driven through Colombia, Ecuador, Bolivia, Peru, Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay. They also took a vacation, in quotations, to South Africa and Namibia after they were finished with South America. 
We reached the pair at an Airbnb in Calgary. They're in the home stretch of their trip and sort of taking the long way home. Now we're kind of doing what I'd describe as a victory lap because it's yeah. it's through the U.S., it's through Canada. So their trip now feels like an all-inclusive resort vacation compared to their time in South America. The roads here are really good and amenities are always available. So it feels like everything's easy and nice now. And a victory lap is definitely like the most apt way to describe it because <laughs> it is so much less arduous. <laughs> We're going to take a little victory lap ourselves now, but when we come back, we'll hear from National Geographic explorer Claire Fiesler about the misconceptions about her job. People see my Instagram, which is mostly pictures of like water and like tropical places, and they think I'm like sitting on a beach drinking rum, mm-hmm. like at a resort. And yeah. I'm just like, no, we don't have running water. I'm taking showers in a bucket. Like, <laughs> It's not glamorous. But first, we're going to hear stories of survival and triumph from the guy behind the Outside podcast. Like Gatorade needed to sell their product. And so they convinced everyone that, you know, more fluid is better. And preferably it's it's Gatorade. But if not Gatorade, like you at least need to be drinking a ton of water. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere unless you need to hydrate. This is NPR. Hey, pals, did you know The Big Listen has a newsletter? Well, we do, and it's pretty fun, if I do say so myself. So just go to biglisten.org and hit the button under my face that reads, Get the Newsletter. Then you'll get the newsletter. Cool. Hey, Lauren, it's Robin in Santa Rosa. Today, I have a different West Coast-based podcast to recommend that is called Home Stories from L.A. Or actually, yes, that's right, Home, colon, Stories from L.A. Uh, As you may or may not be aware, the vast majority of the podcast landscape, it comes out of the East Coast, but there aren't that many podcasts with a West Coast angle. And this is a really good one. I told Charles we could meet anywhere in L.A., anywhere he liked, and he should just pick someplace he felt comfortable. We're at Farmer's Market, the corner of 3rd and Fairfax in Los Angeles since 1934. It is what I call the crossroads of Los Angeles. I mean, this is... And I think it would be interesting for people who don't live in L.A. and want to get a little bit of a sense of what it's like. So, home, stories from L.A. Hope you enjoy it. Bye. Hey, pals. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and our pal Robin from Santa Rosa, California, who calls us just about every week. Thanks, Robin. Thinks podcasts are to East Coast. Do you agree? Let us know what Left Coast podcasts you are into. Bring us on the pod line, 202-885-POD1. Since the late 1970s, Outside Magazine has been sharing tales of adventure, daring do, and survival in the outdoors. Its long-form narratives are some of the best nonfiction you'll read, and many literary lights like Sebastian Younger and John Krakauer got their starts with the publication. So it makes sense that now they would have a podcast highlighting literary storytelling about the outdoors. Do enough big adventures, and pretty soon your friendships start to have origin stories. And we're not talking about how you met. They're stories about the time things went south. Stories you tell forever. Peter Frick Wright is the host and producer of the Outside Podcast. Peter, welcome to the Big Listen. Thanks, Lauren. 
What I like about the Outside podcast is that there are sort of a couple of different series within the podcast itself. One is the science of survival. Can you tell me what those, you know, what is the sort of theme of those stories? Yeah. So science of survival is is just sort of any story with, with life and death stakes. It started being stories with like one individual who nearly dies and they survive and we, we go through the science of, of why they survived and how that worked. I have to say I've, I learned a few things. So thank you for that, Peter. I learned that I could drink <laughs> way, way, way too much water and really hurt myself because we don't know very much about hydration or hyponatremia. The the drinking yourself to death story, um, which we've just been calling overhydration for about the last year, I was just so blown away that there were people that could drink enough that they would basically give themselves blood poisoning. They would throw off the electrolyte balance in their own blood. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's such an American story of like, and like kind of in a in a bad way it's like this it's like we've taken the the more is better fallacy and applied it to one of the basic you know systems that holds our body together like hydration the flip side to dehydration which gets way less attention is a condition called hyponatremia a lack of sodium in the bloodstream in healthy people it's caused by overhydration drinking too much water and it can be deadly Leland and Alex caught a ride into the nearest town, thinking they would heal up in a few days. But Leland just got worse. They went to the hospital. Yeah, so I had been drinking plenty of water and uh, eating no salt. I just did not listen to anyone. I think I was warned at some point, but it just never occurred to me that I would need that much salt. And our food wasn't that salty, so... I, I'm i not sure how much longer I would have lived like that. I think it was a pretty life-threatening situation. When the sodium in your bloodstream gets too diluted by water, it causes an electrolyte imbalance. Sodium, potassium, and calcium are all electrolytes. They're minerals in your body that carry an electric charge, either positive or negative. At the cellular level, electrical gradients, that is, having a greater charge on one side of a cell wall than the other, are how the body moves water in and out of cells. And since moving water in and out of cells is, in a very basic way, how your muscles work, you need to maintain the right balance of electrolytes in your blood. One of the other stories I uh, I enjoyed uh, of yours recently was about the you know tornado chasing, which I've never really been able to understand why anybody um, would want to get in a truck and. Uh, chase inclement weather. Yeah. I have a spirit of adventure, but I but I also have a spirit of safety. <laughs> yeah, when we send reporters out into the into the field, we're like, remember, safety forth <laughs> as you're reporting. <laughs> but um, but for you know, the people like uh, you know, people who chase storms or chase these tornadoes across the Midwest. Like, why were you um, intrigued by them? Honestly, what what got us started at the very beginning was um, we were doing a story about lightning and we learned that like lightning strikes were becoming more prevalent with global warming Mm -hmm. and then we looked up what else might be becoming more prevalent with global warming and tornadoes was another one on the list there's also like really interesting stories that that I would have never found. Like our our last episode was about the history of the sports bra. Yes. And it was like the moment 
that I realized like that the reason sports bras exist are that like boobs hurt when you run. (laughs) I had no idea. It was just this, this massive blind spot, you know, that I had never encountered. Um, I just thought sports bras were sort of like, I don't know, a fashion thing or like they were sports bras in the same way that like running shorts are running shorts instead of like basketball shorts. Right. Um, like this slight difference, but no, like actually they're this hugely functional thing and, um, running without one is, is profoundly uncomfortable. And like, I don't know how this makes me sound, but I'm like to women and they might be sort of slapping their forehead and be like, Oh, another one. Yes. No, they are. I've, I've just done that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you're running, there are ground reaction forces coming up through your body that are, two to three times your body weight, and those impacts are transmitted to your breast tissue. Our skeletons are pretty bony. They react in a certain way. The breast is sort of viscoelastic and can respond even more to the impacts, stretch and distort out of shape. The larger the breast, the more mass of the breast, the more impact can affect it and create very large displacements. But um, yeah... Mass is a big factor. That was certainly proving to be true for Rennell Broughton. Oh, I would try doubling up on sports bras. She was a hairdresser in Montana, and she'd been playing volleyball and running track with triple Ds. When you start getting up in the C, D, double D, triple D area, you got you got to have a lot more uh, going on there to contain those. Give us a sense of how big triple D breasts are. Like, do you know what they weigh, for example? Oh, uh, not really, but a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I very much appreciated that story. The evolution of it is actually really fascinating and how you develop something from nothing. Yeah. And you feed this market that is, is craving a solution for a legitimate problem. In the story, the place we get to is like where... You know, we talked to a scientist at the end about the fact that like boob pain is kind of taboo to talk about among adolescent girls. Yes. And that that actually kind of clicked like, oh, that's why I've never heard about it. Like but like guys talk about how much it hurts to get hit in the nuts all the time. And and girls don't talk about the fact like there's a stigma against it. And so kind of the place we leave the episode is like, hey, we actually need to work on talking about this stigma, like destigmatizing well, bodies um, in general. In right. Way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the piece resonated with me because I had been that, you know, middle school kid in the locker room who didn't want anybody to see her undress. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was weird when people started wearing bras. It was weird when you had to find a sports bra. It was weird when you had to take all of your clothes off. And I mean, not th- not to say that boys don't experience that, but I think that boys are allowed to vocalize it in a way that, uh, you know, that that girls are not but yeah is uh is there any story that you guys have uh, have reported where you know you just couldn't believe that anybody was able to um to achieve that or to survive something like have you heard some pretty remarkable tales i mean i will say like the one thing about doing survival stories for like nothing like more than a year now um is you're constantly talking to people about some of the worst moments of their life mm-hmm. um and that's that's actually really emotionally draining mm-hmm. 
there was a there was a period a couple of months ago where I, I sent an email to the the folks in the magazine that I know fairly well and I was just like has anything funny happened to anyone recently <laughs> like can someone <laughs> tell a funny story like on that tape h- hilarious anyone <laughs> that hilarious bear attack that somebody had like <laughs> it looked like it was gonna be really bad yeah it was hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah it's actually the the bear just ate fruit roll-ups for right, 20 minutes exactly. and then walked away. <laughs> Peter Frick Wright, host of the Outside Podcast from Outside Magazine. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's been great. Thanks, Lauren. Peter Frick Wright is the host and producer of the Outside Podcast from Outside Magazine and PRX. To find out more about the show, check out biglisten.org. And now it's time for our little featurette we're calling... Wait, what? Have you ever happened upon a podcast and thought to yourself, wait, what? They have a podcast? Um, who listens to this? Well, you're not alone. We have two, and we wanted to showcase some of those truly unbelievable shows for you. Our guide for Wait What Today will be our producer, Ponzi Rutch. Hey, Ponzi. Hey, Lauren. All right. What's uh, what's on the docket today? Well, my first question for you is, uh, what is the nerdiest podcast you've come across so far? Just oh, off the top of your head. God, I mean, I've I've come across like a thousand Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Whoa, whoa, she's right on the money. Wait, is this? Oh it? my god, is this it? <laughs> the original Dungeons and Doritos adventure. The Drunks and Dragons podcast. And I'm the dungeon master for dice nights. <laughs> So tell me about your experience with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I really don't. I have no idea. All right. So so why, why are you talking to me about Dungeons and Dragons? Please, I have so, to know. So what you need to know today is that Dungeons and Dragons is a role-playing game. A few people have different characters, and they go on this sort of choose-your-own-adventure situation, and every so often they meet some sort of obstacle, like a scary monster, and then they have to <laughs> roll dice to see if they can pass by the monster. So if you roll high enough, you get to pass. If you roll some low number, then like you have to feed it you know, your stuff before you can continue. You are beholden to the role of the dice. But if you were playing the game, would you be into the dice rolling or would you be into the story? I mean. <laughs> so most people are into it for the story, which means that the next obvious step is a podcast. <laughs> to start a podcast. I talked to this guy, Austin Walker, who writes about video games for Vice, and he also hosts one of these podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friends at the Table, an actual play podcast focused on critical world building, smart characterization, and fun interaction between good friends. I feel overwhelmed with the jargon yeah yeah okay so friends at the table is a really big deal it's been downloaded more than two million times we are currently the number 12 podcast in the gaming category on iTunes. i think my favorite review on itunes was somebody saying the season finale wrecked me <laughs> we make people cry kind of a lot jeez yeah so i always imagined a group of nerdy white dudes around a table playing these games me too but that is not friends at the table Representation is important for us. We have lots of characters of color. We have lots of uh, LGBTQ characters. Uh, in this new season, we've, we have a character who is a wheelchair user. Like there are important, it's important for us to try to share uh, stories that reflect who we are. This is blowing up all of my ideas of what uh, Dungeons and Dragons enthusiasts are. 
That's exactly how I felt. It totally changed the way that I thought about these games because it was less about some nerdy overlord, you know, forcing you to memorize every detail of his imaginary monster. And it was more about inviting someone to join this sort of experimental space where everything was based on imagination and what your ideal world might look like. This is a hobby that can be for anybody and you shouldn't feel pushed out because of what the status quo is. So my takeaway was like, I'm not sure I'm ready to start my own role playing game, but this conversation in this, you know, entryway made me feel a lot less intimidated about being invited to join somebody else's. Like, maybe I would accept that invitation. And I didn't know that about myself. Right, right. After you learn that there were so many Dungeons and Dragons um, style podcasts, uh, did you did you create your own character in your mind? <laughs> I didn't at the time. But it's funny that you say that because in my mind, is like a combination of like a tiger and a unicorn and a person all kind of rolled together. It would have the abilities of both flight and invisibility because I hate that <laughs> stupid question. Okay, so you'd have an invisible flying rainbow tiger. Yeah, I mean, what monster couldn't I take on with those abilities? Mine would just be like, like a lady who does needlepoint. Very intimidating, Lauren. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? If you stumble across any weird and wacky podcasts in your travels, let us know. Tweet us at Hear Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R, Big Listen. Or drop us a line at BigListen at WAMU.org. We're going to take a tiny break right now, but when we come back, we'll check in with National Geographic Explorer and podcast obsessive Claire Fiesler about what she listens to when she's on the road. You know, so a lot of places like, go, oh, I don't have internet. So you have to be very strategic. It's right. like I download a month's worth of podcasts <laughs> before I go. <laughs> like no one is planning podcasts more carefully than I am. <laughs> That's coming right up. Stay put. This is NPR. Hey, y'all. Sam Sanders here. My new podcast is called It's Been a Minute. That's another way of saying let's catch up. Every Friday, I'll sit down with two guests, smart talkers from inside and outside NPR, to catch up on the week of news and culture, everything. If you can't stop watching the news, but you're also exhausted by doing that, this show is for you. Don't miss out. Find It's Been a Minute now on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. My name is Helene. I'm calling from Arlington, Virginia, and I would like to recommend The Accessible Stall. It's a wonderful podcast about disability issues. I found it really interesting because it exposed me to a lot of issues that I hadn't thought about before, um, and it gives a, a diversity of opinions and viewpoints. I've adjusted to plenty of things before, you know braces, walker, crutches, wheelchair, you name it, I have used it, you know? Mm -hmm. So the hearing aids, I was like, whatever, man. Bring it on. Yeah. But, and they did. <laughs> but they are so annoying. And granted, it's only been one day, so I need to give them a I really... I just find it to be a really refreshing voice, and um, I learn a lot. Hey, pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and is there a show that you've learned a lot from that maybe you'd like other people to learn from, too? Well, then give us a jingle and let us know. The pod line is 202-885-POD1. Now, 
I like to think I have a pretty cool job. I get to tell very attractive listeners just like you about all the great podcasts that people are making out there. But my gig's cool factor really pales in comparison to Claire Fiesler's job. She is a National Geographic explorer and photographer and a Smithsonian fellow. And in her spare time, she's a marine ecologist studying coral reefs around the world. Now, to get that set up, Fiesler kind of had to blaze her own trail. Here she is in a Nat Geo video about female scientists. I can't think of a female role model that I had or people to look to who were portrayed in that way, that it was cool, that it was even sexy to be a woman scientist. What? Being a lady scientist is really cool and sexy. Anyway, now Fiesler is a scientist, and her job demands that she travel to remote places like Bali and the Ascension Islands. And often her destinations don't have modern luxuries like Wi-Fi or working toilets. So she listens to podcasts, hours upon hours of them, and she's going to give us some of her recommendations. Claire Fiesler, Smithsonian Fellow and National Geographic Explorer, welcome to The Big Listen in the studio, no less. Mm, I'm here. I'm so excited. <laughs> you are here. You are here. Um, and taking a little bit of a break from such an amazing collection of jobs you have uh, to come a and hang out with of jobs, A cornucopia of jobs. It's true. It's true. So now you are both a marine ecologist and a photographer. Mm-hmm. Why are you hoarding all the cool jobs? Like, why do you have to do all the cool jobs? Why can't you let somebody else do one of the cool jobs? So my friend has this like meme that he created and it was passed around like the science world and it was like astronauts, like this inspirational poster, like astronauts like floating through space because not everyone can be a marine biologist. <laughs> and it's true. It, it is strange to have to find oneself in a job that a lot of people wanted to do when they were like 10. Mm-hmm. So I'll walk into cocktail parties in Washington, D.C. with like 90% of the people there are lawyers. Right. And the other 10% are like lobbyists. And like all they want to do is talk about how like they wanted to be marine biologists oh. biologist when they were 10. And it's really great. And you can kind of see like the little kid inside them. And, and so you, you presumably have to travel yeah. for this because you live in Washington, D.C. We are not, while we are a coastal city, we are not, you know, we're not like right on the ocean. Right. And there's a lot of ocean. Mm-hmm. So you have to travel for your research. I'm traveling constantly. Right. Constantly. Right. And it's not, I think pe- people like see my Instagram, which is mostly pictures of like water and like tropical places. And they think I'm like sitting on a beach drinking rum, mm-hmm. like at a resort. And yeah. I'm just like, no, we don't have running water. I'm taking showers in a bucket. Like, <laughs> it's not glamorous. Right. When you're traveling to all these places, you have a lot of travel time. Because yes. you're literally going to the farthest away places. Yeah, like 37-hour itineraries. Okay, that's and bonkers. And it's like puddle jumper plane to international jet to like sit in this air- weird Middle Eastern airport for 12 hours to jet to random taxi to a boat right. to your destination. Right. Right. So how do you keep yourself occupied or entertained? What are you doing? Are you... I mostly listen to podcasts. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you have specific, like, if I am doing this trip, I want to listen to this, or I'm, you know, I need to catch up on this if I'm going here, like, or it's just, just like, it doesn't matter. You have no, there's no rhyme or reason to your, your playlist. I got into podcasts like 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh. So... 
I've been original. in it for a while. You're an original listener. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I and I kind of go through like stages of what I like, and I'm in this current stage right now where I like kind of like how it's done type podcasts, mm-hmm. like creatives. Mm-hmm. Like I really like the long form podcast. Mm-hmm. Hello, welcome to the long form podcast. I'm Max Linsky. I'm here with my co-hosts Aaron Lammer and uh, Evan Ratliff. Gentlemen, hello. Hey, good afternoon. Good day. Who's on the show? You guys, Ira Glass. Ira Glass is on oh, the show. We yes. got Ira Glass to come on the show? <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> we got Ira Glass. I really like the No Filter podcast, which is photographers. Mm-hmm. You can become your own publishing platform. It can make a difference. It is one of the most exciting times to be a photographer. Tyrone Turner is a fellow photographer with National Geographic Creative. He turns his lens on social and environmental issues. So that's what I'm into right now. But I've got like my favorites that I always listen to or that I just keep up with. You know, so a lot of these places like go, I don't have internet. So you have to be very strategic. It's right. like I download a month's worth of podcasts <laughs> before I go. Like no one is planning podcasts more carefully than I am <laughs> in the entire city of Washington, D.C., frankly. Probably in the entire world, I would guess. Yeah. So you have to think, OK, I'm going to be gone for, you know, X number of weeks mm-hmm. and then I will have this much downtime. Mm-hmm. And here is what I need to keep me occupied. Mm-hmm. And you got to dial. And it has to be diversity of stuff, right? Too. Right. Because can't they all be like talk podcasts? Some of it has to be like narrative podcasts. Right. Right. So yeah, I'm very strategic. So I'm streaming a lot of stuff, but then I have po- like there are like two or three podcasts I just keep on my computer. I have like two or three podcasts that like I've listened to a bunch of times, but they never get old. Mm-hmm. And I just like sometimes I'll just be like, I want to listen to that podcast. Are you going to share them with us or keep them to yourself? First is the Living Room by the Love and Radio. Right. That just gets me every single time. Yeah, It's a story about a a woman who lives in New York City, I believe, and she, like, can look right into um, the window of her neighbors. Mm -hmm. And she's really annoyed at first because this new couple moves in, and they're just naked all the time. (laughs) And they're just, like, making love all the time, and they're just, like, gorgeous, young, and fit. The thing is they pushed their bed so that the head was up against the windows. So their heads, you could see the, both of their heads lying there. So you'd see things that you just, like, they were just shocking. I just had been there all of this time, and suddenly you could see people having sex really clearly, like, like amazingly clearly. I, for, I had no idea that you could see so well across uh, such a distance. And it was really uncomfortable. My husband and I were um, still adjusting to parenthood. And it wasn't the most romantic time in our in our lives. What else is sort of your Desert Island episode? Do you remember Pat Walters? She used to be on Radiolab, yep. and then he was the host of Undone at Gimlet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when Pat was at Radiolab, he did um, uh, he did an episode called The Maneuver. Mm-hmm. And it's about the Heimlich Maneuver. Yeah, yeah. And like while he's researching it, he finds that the, Dr. Heimlich is still alive. <laughs> And you're just like, what? This guy's still alive? Like, didn't he die in, like, the 1700s? And that's when I discovered a story I totally did not expect. Hello? Hello, it's Patrick. You downstairs? I am. Who's that? That's Dr. Heimlich. What? I'll buzz you in and take the elevator to four and turn left. He's alive? Yeah. I just would have assumed he died, like, 100 years ago. Yeah, so he lives in Cincinnati, and I went to see him because... 
You went to see. Oh, does I that did. happen to you every time? You like if I told you. Well, this is what's this is what's cool about our job, right? I guess. Yeah. Oh, I've heard of him. I guess I'll go meet him. I kind of wanted to say thanks. Hello, Carter Trip. <laughs> Good to meet you. And I wanted to find out, you know, the story of how he came up with uh, this thing. Do you want, can you just say who you are so we have it on tape? Uh, Doctor Henry Heimlich of the Heimlich Maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like, you know, if you're um. You know, you're in some foreign land, you know, bouncing along on a bus or something. And and um, and then you, you know, you pop in your earbuds or put on your headphones and then you're in like a totally different place. Is there a weird sort of disconnect for you? I do feel that way because I have very like strong memories in my mind right now, specifically this one research station I go to in Belize. um, It's like. It's like a one-acre patch of sand, 14 miles off the coast of Belize, and there's like 88 palm trees and like 1,200 like hermit, hermit crabs. Like it is so small, and like <laughs> and one two buildings. And I'm there like late at night, running like an experiment on coral, and I'm listening to like Radiolab, and you're just like your mind is in like one scientific world, but like your hands are doing another scientific thing, <laughs> and then all of a sudden like baby sea turtles like emerge from like the sand underneath my feet and what? just start crawling all around. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. This you're, happened. You're standing on baby sea turtles, and they just like come out they, of. No, like... they just start hatching out of like the ground beneath. <laughs> It was like the it was like the sand was bubbling, and tiny sea turtles emerged. That is amazing. Just life happens where I'm like brought into this other scientific project of like trying to collect all the baby sea turtles because they're so confused by the bright lights of the research station. They think it's the moon, so they start just like crawling in circles. You're like, no, 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 you need to get to the ocean. So you have to like put them into like a bucket and like bring them out into the water, and it's like two in the morning, and then like that's done, and then you're like, okay, now I'm gonna get back to my my experiment that I was like doing in the lab and then you pop in your headphones and you're like brought to it's a very meta experience yeah. like a radio lab yeah seen in a lab somewhere well Claire Fiesler Smithsonian fellow and National Geographic explorer mm. thanks for hanging out with us and sharing your stories with us thank you Claire Fiesler is a National Geographic Explorer and Smithsonian Fellow. To find out more about her or any of the podcasts she recommended, hit up biglisten.org. Well, we've almost reached the end of this week's episode. It's true, but don't be sad. Before we let you go, it's time for... C-H-A-R-T-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. Chartography is our 60-second mapping of the Apple podcast charts, but we're not looking at number one or even number 100. We're looking at number 289. And if your podcast has reached number 289, well, darn it, you have made it. You've truly made it. Okay, this week's show is, let's see, what is it? Oh, it's called I Hate My Boss from Wondery. Uh, it's a little bit of a uh, provocative name. Fake it till you make it. It is hosted by a woman named Liz Dolan and a man named Larry Seal, like as in the animal. You are filled with the certainty that you know everything. <laughs> exactly. And according to uh, according to the website for their podcast, they are workplace heroes. I got this. I got this. I got, I got this. this. Basically, they're helping people work through issues with their own bosses and figure out how to be better bosses. Well, now I'm in charge. I got a couple of tips. So if you're trying to be a boss, uh, here are some things you want to keep in mind. Don't overcompensate. 
Don't try to be the smartest person in the room. You don't know what you don't know. Don't over decide. Let other people decide sometimes. And don't be authoritarian. Mm -hmm. It sounds simple. It's not. I have to say, I really wish that one of my bosses would have listened to this. Um, she was a terrible person who, t- who, told, who told me once that people who had children and then took maternity or paternity leave were selfish. You are such a liar. That is just not possible. <laughs> anyway, I think that their podcast would be really helpful. Really? If you were either having some work drama with your supervisor. Do not do that. Or you were uh, trying to be a boss and you had some, you know, jerkwad employee who just would never do their work and you wanted to know how to deal with them. And I want people to like me. I think Liz and Larry from the I Hate My Boss podcast would gladly help you out. Want to listen to the big listen on the go? Well, you can. Just go to Apple Podcasts or NPR One or any fine purveyor of podcasts and hit subscribe. Then we'll be tiptoeing into your feed every week automatically. Also, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Here Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R Big Listen. We are more fun than Anthony Scaramucci's going away party. If you want to send us love notes, we are currently accepting them at biglisten at wamu.org. The show today was produced by Daisy Rosario Ponzi Ruch and Camila Salazar. Jake Cherry mixed the show. I, Lauren Ober, was interviewing for the White House Communications Director job. <laughs> Just kidding. No thank you. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army Navy, the band, not the store. Special thanks to Timmy Olmsted and Al Reynolds for always giving us a boost. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Andy McDaniel and her boss man J.J. Yore and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., capital of America. And now a few final thoughts from Maggie Takuda-Hall and Adam Wolf, the married couple behind the podcast, Let's Not Panic. They're currently in the final stages of their epic overland adventure from California to Chile and back again. And they've learned a few things along the way. Namely, the travel is not something to fear. I wish I could disabuse Americans of the notion that we're the safest country. We're not. Like, you're way more likely to get murdered here than you are abroad. So maybe settle down and, like, go someplace cool. They also had some other big thoughts while on the road. If you have this opportunity or if you have this goal in mind, it is attainable. You need to set a goal, maybe to plan for it, to work towards it. But... I don't regret all the sacrifice that we put in the trip at all. Not being as afraid to take big swings is like the biggest change in my own personality that I've witnessed. And this trip has really kind of hammered home for me that like nothing ventured, nothing gained. So go out there and take some risks, but calculated ones, ones where you won't get hurt. I can't have that on my conscience. Thanks for hanging out. Till next time. Keep listening, America. This is NPR.